spend more time in the outdoors and you'll find that everything in life gets better. Yeah, I, I greatly enjoyed this. is one of my funnest podcasts I've ever been part of. No more dreaming, no more wishing. Wave goodbye. I'm gone fishing. Welcome to the Canadian Fishing Podcast. Previously known as the Made for Memories Podcast. Where we explore the sport and business of fishing in Canada. And the memories made in the great outdoors. Let's kick it. It's gotta be louder. Way louder. Yo, VIP. still barely here but i get what you're trying to do ice ice baby that's that's funny is it because we're talking about ice fishing today we are talking about ice fishing today yeah okay at least that's our plan well i went ice fishing for the first time this season last weekend and it was extremely successful we saw fish great we didn't catch we didn't catch any but that's Not so great uh as some of you know my bestie Mitch has a place in Sylvan Lake, and uh, so we we uh, that's the that's the convenient place to go. It's also a good fishery. I just don't know how to catch fish there. Not neither of us do. Yeah, he, he, so we went. There was three did of us. Grow up there? Like, did he did he fish in the winter when he was younger at all? I think they had some ice fishing gear, but no, I don't. I don't think he did a bunch of it. It, you know, him and I took it upon ourselves to try to be ice anglers during COVID, and I don't think either of us have caught a fish through the ice there. But we saw fish. We had we brought a new another guy, Dufresne, and he uh, he had a couple bites on little perches, perch, little perch, came and nibbled on his hook, and we saw you know it, so it was fun. it was fun, but. Mitch sends me a picture this morning of his son on the ice with one of his buddies. And they caught a fish because Brennan catches all the fish. And Mitch has the gall to say, seems like Pallister is the common denominator here for not catching fish. And I was like, okay, bud. Like, we're, I don't think you've caught any fish through the ice either so who's the common denominator running his mouth i mean if the evidence is there it it could be correlation or it could be causation like we could get into a whole scientific debate about this those are big words correlation meaning that they're connected somehow and causation meaning that it's a result of so like you being there results in no fish versus it being a coincidence. Yeah, but my argument is who? why is it me? Why is it not Mitch? Because was Mitch there when Brennan was catching fish? No, he wasn't. Oh, well then, yeah, he doesn't really have much of an argument. Exactly. That's what I said. That's why I was calling him out. Don't take it personally, Brad. It's fine. Um, yeah. We, Our guest today will help you catch more fish on the ice. I am confident of it. Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. But he definitely can't help, can't hurt, sorry, because he's... he's he might not be able to help. Might not be able to that help, a, but... That was a slip, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> well, let's uh, start 
talking with Mr. Adam Gamble and see if he can actually get me to catch some fish through the ice. Adam is an avid Albertan angler known for posting monster fish on his Instagram profile at Adam underscore Gamble underscore outdoors. Adam is also a full-time firefighter for the city of Edmonton and a self-employed guide with his company, Adam's Angling Adventures. And he guides for a few weeks of each year at Lac Lamart Lodge in the Northwest Territories. He was a guest back on episode five of our podcast. If you haven't listened, please go back and do so. Welcome back, Adam Gamble. Hello there. Good to see Yay, you guys. Hey, Adam. Oh, happy to be here. <laughs> Finally, we've only been talking about doing this for, for months, and that's mm -hmm. my bad. No, no worries. No, I'm just happy to be back. It'd be good to chat ice fishing and a couple other things. That's exactly what we want to talk. So last last uh, podcast, Jess and I were foolishly, very foolishly giving ice fishing advice, which we have neither of us have any business doing. <laughs> Jess, when was the last time you were on the ice for ice fishing? I was probably seven years old. Yeah, and oh, I, I am on the ice significantly more like at least three or four times a winter. And I don't believe I've caught a fish in, oh no. I had one day where I think we caught five little stock trout. And other than that, I'm- Me or you? Me and Bobby and I, Bobby so and I. How many of those were your fish? Can't remember. It's none of your business. <laughs> Anyways. Just I, fact checking. Uh, I'm just saying like out of the, probably the last- 20 outings i think i've only caught fish in one of those 20 so i'm doing something wrong obviously above and beyond my just general bad luck so we're gonna dive into a little bit of ice fishing but before we do that mm -hmm. i just want to know how your summer went how'd your uh how'd your guiding up north go how'd your how'd your how'd your domestic uh guiding go how tell us about your summer first betcha no i had a really great year this year um being up at lac lamart again was unreal we had a super awesome group of guides uh, they were all pumped about their guide packs that you guys sent up for us as well so thank you again uh those spoons caught a lot of fish this summer so which, was, which spoons just for everybody who doesn't know what was in the uh, that's the new heavy series that len thompson put out uh number four size um they have the uh they're double thick basically i think they weigh an ounce and a half if i remember correctly i think, they're, I think they're two and a quarter was it two and a quarter i couldn't yep. remember for sure but either way they were crushing fish for us this year it was awesome everybody was loving them we were catching pike and lake trout on them um yeah good season up there uh, and then here at home uh spent a lot of time uh lakes close to town out at Wabin a lot uh lac saint anne lake isle and there was a lot of fish caught uh the weather for me this year i don't think i had a single day where there was adverse weather it was sunny and 25 above every single time i went on a fishing trip this year so it's pretty happy about that too nice uh, tell us about some of the, uh, the big catches. Tell us about the most memorable moment up oh. north, down south, whatever you want. Oh, there's a few memorable moments I could share from up north, but I should probably keep them off the podcast. Okay. Pass on this story. <laughs> um, big fish, uh, trying to think I went up to Lake up north here this summer we uh, found a bunch of walleye actually that we weren't expecting to find size wise we've caught a lot of walleye at this lake before most of them have been quite small but we caught a few up in that 10 12 pound range 
uh, just shy of and just above the 30 inch mark. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. And uh, Adam's angling adventures. Yes. Ice fishing adventures as well. Do indeed. Yeah. Uh, we do do ice fishing. I actually had three trips this last week uh, and over the Christmas break, I had quite a few trips as well. Uh, fishing's been going uh, really nice, actually catching a lot of fish, uh, lots of perch, uh, which everybody seems to want to be out and get after. We can take a couple home and have a fish fry, which is nice. Uh, I had a group up from Georgia actually uh, over Christmas and that was pretty cool for somebody that a group that had never really been on a frozen lake at all to be able to take them out ice fishing and see people skating and everything else they thought it was just the coolest thing and catching fish through the ice they can see them crystal clear there was no snow on the ice swimming around and whatnot uh, they had a good time so before uh, we hit record on the podcast you were telling me you just picked booked a trip from a guy in Colorado too. So you're getting some international customers. I am actually, I have to say most of my clients that I get for guiding probably come out of Ontario and the U S I get a lot of uh, local people around the Edmonton area and stuff that want to go out with their families and whatnot. But I've been quite surprised actually how many American clients I get coming up and uh, from Ontario, lots of people from Ontario. Interesting because you would think that people in Ontario could stay in Ontario and find a hundred thousand lakes that they have of their own. You yeah, know, with thirty different species of fish yeah. in each lake too. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, I mean, that's good. That's excellent yeah. uh, that they're coming in and adventuring in in Alberta, seeing yeah. what we're doing, supporting you, supporting supporting the local economy. 100%. It's been great. And a lot of them have not had the opportunity to catch a big pike in Ontario. I know like you can fish for muskie and everything else down there, but it sounds like most of the pike that are caught in Ontario are quite small. I know there is big fish down there, but uh, for them to come out here and they want to catch a big pike and being able to put them on a big fish, they love it. Okay. So we're going to switch to ice fishing mm -hmm. right now. Just this last weekend. Yeah. I had the most successful ice fishing trip in a couple years. Awesome. We didn't catch a fish, but we saw four perch Ooh. and two pike and one massive pike. I, Brad, other Brad that I was with thought it was like a, so was a 20 pounder. It wasn't a 20 pounder, but it was a big pike and yeah. it scared me because we were actually, we were You're jigging. Not used and to looking at big pike. That no, we're not used to looking at big pike. So <laughs> there's a little little perch come around, and they were messing around with Dufresne's, uh, uh little jig, and he didn't catch any. And and all of a sudden he looks over, he's like, "Brad, there's a massive pike just staring at your your spoon." And I couldn't see it down the hole, and I kind of readjusted my angle, and there's a massive pike just sitting there staring at my spoon. So I was like, okay. And I do like the little, I'm doing little jigs. Like I'm not obviously yeah. pulling, doing little jigs and he looks at it and he looks at it and his little fins are going. And then he just gradually swims away. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I mean, that was pretty successful. It was kind of exciting, but yeah. how do you, how do you catch fish through the ice, Adam Gamble? 
because I Adam, don't know. How there's a giant pike staring at your beautiful Len Thompson lure. Just staring but it's not, at it. Yeah. But it's not taking it. What do you do? So there's a few different scenarios uh, there. Personally, I like to lower. Uh, if I was using a spoon or a jig, something along those lines, I like to lower it. And the fish will usually angle down towards the bottom of the lake. And you can rest it right on the bottom of the lake. And they will come pick it up right off the bottom of the lake. If that doesn't work and they're not interested in following it down, uh, depending on how deep you are, I'll try and raise it above them to make them come up through the water column. And as soon as they start to come up through the water, they'll actually chase your spoon uh, up through the water column. And if they're following you, they're definitely interested. So, and as long as you can continue to keep them involved in the chase, you'll usually end up getting them hooked up. Huh. I didn't do either of those things, <laughs> which, is, which yes. makes sense. I just, I just, because they always, I, you know, they say don't jig it aggressively. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll spook I, was just, them. I was just balancing it and thinking, oh, well, this is, come on, come on. Yeah. So if you're, if you're doing those tiny jigs, just giving it a little jiggle and you work your way up through the water column, a lot of times they'll follow you up or down. Huh. Would that yeah. technique change depending on the species? um honestly not really that's kind of all you're limited to with ice fishing is going up and down so <laughs> but uh uh no i pretty much use that across whitefish perch walleye and pike so trout as well trout i'd say i prefer to have them chase me up through the water column is there a reason uh no i've just had more success uh having them follow me up than down yeah <laughs> interesting fish leadership yeah <laughs> <laughs> so uh we're going to talk about alberta's fish uh, mm -hmm. offerings first okay and um i'd like to i'd like to know your super secrets and super secrets does not mean it needs to be a len thompson spoon I, I, there's lots of different ways to catch fish through the ice and truth be told len thompson spoons aren't designed to be used through the ice they're certainly I've been told by many people they can be effective, uh, can be very effective, uh, especially the little guys for for uh, whitefish and perch. But without me putting words in your mouth, yep. Jess and I are going to ask each species, and I'd like yep. you to say your little 30, like it's like a mini rapid fire, 30 seconds, how to catch this kind of fish, what you're using, all that sort of stuff. Sounds good. Let's do it. All right. First of Alberta's species of fish. The infamous walleye. Infamous walleye. All right. So I actually have a couple of hooks sitting on the counter right here. Oh, These two here. in particular, Len Thompson's, the okay. one that was the uh, uh, the Wonder Bread Glow. Absolutely love this for walleye. Um, I put a red treble on it uh, just to give it a little extra color. And then the fishing for food banks, pink. I don't know why, but walleye absolutely love this spoon. And it's a size number zero. Uh, this one, yes, this one is a size number zero. Uh, in the winter for walleye, pike, uh, I typically use the zeros and double zeros. I downsize a little bit. Okay. And then you're just jigging it like up yep. and down kind of deal, like through the columns up and down. Yeah, and quite often I'll tip it with a chunk of minnow. I don't like to use a full minnow because quite often they'll just end up ripping the bait off your uh, hook and you don't end up getting a 
catch. You'll just start losing minnows. So whether you use just a minnow head or a half a minnow, your hookup ratio goes up. So if okay. you use half a minnow, mm -hmm. does it just give it a little extra smell? Yeah, little extra smell. Um, it kind of entices them to bite. It has that extra movement in the water column as well. Cool. All right. Next species, Jess. Northern pike. Northern pike. Um, I mean, if you're fishing for northern pike, you've probably got a tip up out. Uh, a lot of people will run a tip up, smelt, herring, minnows, whatever else. Uh, I've started downsizing again. I used to use a lot of big baits for big pike, but I've started using smaller baits and finding my success rate has gone up for big fish as well. Okay. And you're just using a hook and a, and a smelt or a small smelt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've actually started using a single hook as well, not a treble or the like pike rigs that you see. I've gone to a single octopus hook fed through the back of the fish, whether it's a herring, smelt or minnow, change the size of your octopus hook. Always seem to get hookups in the corner of the mouth. I have less fish hooked in the throat and the gills. Way better for the fish and for taking the hook out. Any, any stingers? Like I, I hear some people, I've heard that some people like to put a stinger hook on, on, on uh, tip ups. That's uh, no, I've gone away from that just for fish mortality rates, uh, finding a lot of fish caught deep in the throat and stuff and just getting away from having to spend a bunch of time surgically removing hooks from fish and being able to just pop it out of the corner of the mouth makes a big difference. Awesome. That makes sense because you're baiting them. So they would swallow it as opposed to, yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Especially, especially for catch and release lakes. If you're looking at catch and keep, it's not such a big deal, but if you're catch and release, you want obviously to have the mortality rate as low as possible. So cool. When yeah, you, next... I'm not done yet. Oh. When you're, when you're setting tip ups, if you're fishing, yeah. how many do you typically have going at a time? And is there a specific brand of tip up that you like to use because i'm assuming oh, brands there read the regulations first jess yeah. there is definitely a lot of different tip up brands out there uh, i like to use the ifish pros or variations of those because they allow you to uh, use a rod and reel and then you set it with your bail open basically fish takes your bait flag pops up you go over close the bail set the hook and you're able to reel in the fish in a rod and reel instead of using your hands that you can get your the line ripped through your fingers and everything else. It makes it a lot easier when I'm guiding as well for clients to be able to pick up that rod and reel and reel in a fish. So in Alberta, uh, if you're going to use a second line, uh, you can use two lines while ice fishing. So you can have your main jigging line and a secondary set line. That's typically where people will put their tip up out. So you just two per person. It's got to be a certain distance, right? Yeah, I think it's within like 30 feet or 30 paces of wherever you are. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, I've never right. had an issue with fish and wildlife coming out and measuring or anything like that, but they do, they will, they'll come and check and make sure that you're doing things legal. They always make me bring up my tip ups, make sure I'm not using a legal bait um, or too many hooks, any of that kind of stuff. And what is an illegal bait? So I'd have to read the regulations for sure, but there are certain species of bait fish per se that you're not supposed to use as bait in Alberta. Okay. Um, everybody uses different bait, but they, they will check you. And I've never had, uh, I've never had any issues with uh, bait I've been using, but I know they, they will check and see what you're using for sure. Okay. Next species. 
Eh, yeah, we'll go with uh, it says Brook Trout here, but I'm just gonna go with just Rainbow Brook Tiger. I'm not sure why we'll call it Brook Trout. I think it's okay, but trout because you've already posted some really beautiful trout from this year. Yeah, yeah. I think so, yeah. I like trout. Oh, I I love fishing for early season brook trout when they're all fired up and they look like they look like a fire truck basically. The bright red and white fins, purple spots. It's so cool. Um, I don't have any of the Northern King spoons up here right now, but I actually like using the smaller Northern Kings because they flutter quite a bit when you're ice fishing and that fluttering action seems to drive the trout crazy. So I do really enjoy them. I'll also use right down to a number eight when Thompson It's kind of something along just the silver and blue number eight, maybe a couple maggots on there if they're being really picky, but usually I don't fish with bait for trout and uh yeah that seems to be the ticket for me and bright colors on the northern king spoons i think what was the is it monkey puke is one of them that i use quite a bit orange green or blue there are three types of monkey puke oh it would be the Didn't green you one know? Yeah, <laughs> green one cool yeah next species perch perch okay Still down to a number eight, the original five of diamonds. That is my go-to for perch, absolute go-to. A lot of guys like using tungsten jigs, uh, big flashy stuff. I throw on a number eight, five of diamonds, give it a couple jigs, let it sit, catch a fish. If uh, they're being super finicky, same thing, throw on some maggots or mealworms. But other than that, I've probably got 25 of these little five of diamonds in my taco box for perch at all times. Uh, across all the different colors, uh, the black black diamonds, the super glow, orange and white, original, chartreuse, um, and the new flame. Now, Adam, I, I don't mean to fact check you, but that yes. looks like number six to me. The, this one here? No, wait, maybe not. That's a uh, number six. That's yeah. a number six. I'm lying to you. Yeah, but you know, it's it's not your fault, Adam. That die, that not that six is it's it's on our list of things to fix because the six looks because it's so small and old it look it can look like an eight so that's yeah, not your fault. Six, the six is the littlest one. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. yeah. This that's the double zero. Interesting. Yeah. No, it's it's not your fault. That's not that's not that's not your that's an eight though. Yeah, that's an eight here. Yeah. 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 You bet. So anywhere from a six, seven, or eight is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Yeah. The small ones. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Jess is looking skeptical, and I think it was maybe because of the size, but I'm looking skeptical because so far I've only seen Lenny's, and I mm -hmm. I want I don't so, I don't want people to know that there's other ways. So let's you betcha. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I do use Len Thompson's almost exclusively. It's kind of ridiculous. I have a ton of other tackle, like tons of other tackle. I do use uh, tungsten jigs sometimes for the perch um whitefish though i know we haven't gone over whitefish yet but i've got it right here this is my favorite spoon to use for whitefish double zero green frog i don't know why they love it but they love it everybody thinks you need to use wire worms and small wetaskuin specials and everything else to catch whitefish this spoon right here has not not caught me whitefish always catch whitefish on this thing yeah. There you go. Well, whitefish was whitefish yeah. was the next species, so you've already yeah. covered that one off. So this it's this is literally my go-to spoon for whitefish. 
Okay. Yep. Double right. zero, green frog. Okay. Um, I will. I'm trying to think here what else uh, I'll throw on ice fishing wise. Um, standard jig and minnow for walleye. I mean, that's kind of a go-to. Uh, I like using uh, Truly Fish and Tackle. Marco Truly, True Fish and Tackle. He makes some um, tungsten uh, jig heads. So they can maintain the same weight, but they have a little smaller profile. So they sink a bit quicker. I really like them. Um, yeah, other than that, that's, I like using spoons in the winter because they're flashy and helps bring fish in. So I, I do use Len Thompson's quite a bit. Okay. All right. Two more species. Okay. One, our second last one is the burbot. Burbot. The, link, the, the, the freshwater cod, the, yeah. the lobster of the, of the prairies. So same thing that I use for walleye, uh, the wonder bread with the red treble hook. I will load it up with a minnow. Uh, usually we'll use a full minnow for burbot and I just pound the bottom with this. Um, you can also use big heavy jigs uh, up to an ounce. Same thing, minnow, minnow or smelt. And just at night, or I like to fish for burbot at night. Typically most people do, you catch the most at night. Um, pound the bottom, pick it up off the bottom, wait for a fish to hit, pound it off the bottom, pick it up, wait for a fish to hit. Is it true? in your opinion, that burbot are like the Alberta's lobsters in terms of, you know what? Um, I've heard they're I, really, really good. Yeah. Personally, I'd still rather keep a walleye. Um, I'd eat just about any species before a burbot. I know a lot of people love them. Um, I personally, I enjoy catching and releasing them. They put up a good fight. They're fun to fish for. Um, but I don't see why everybody seems to call them freshwater lobster. Like, I do get it. I've eaten them. They're big, firm, flaky fish. Uh, it is quite good, but at the end of the day, I'd still rather have just about, I'd rather fill it a pike than deal with a burbot. And that's, that's, that's just me, but. Well, pike, pike in the winter is really nice. Pike in the oh, summer yeah. is not sure. as nice yeah, for sure. when it's, when they're nice and cold. All right. Last but not least. And this one might be a little bit tricky just because of, the area of the world that you live in. Mm -hmm. I know I catch lots of lakers in the summertime when you're up north, but ice fishing for lake trout. Yeah. Um, so I do go up to Cold Lake quite a bit, actually, uh, to fish for lake trout. It's quite fun up there in the winter. Um, I'm hoping actually to get up there this week uh, ahead. Uh, we'll see what happens though. Um, tube jigs seem to be the go-to. Uh, I personally like the Cold Lake Special the best. I know TC Modals are very popular as well, but Cold Lake Specials seem to be the ticket for me when I'm up there anyways. Um, I will troll uh, as well with some of the bigger Northern King Spoons, number four Len Thompson's uh, behind weight or downriggers. Um, but not, there, I, not during the ice season, you wouldn't? No, ice fishing, it's pretty much all tube jigs and I'll throw uh, spoons down for flash as well. I don't usually catch as many on the spoons, um, but it definitely helps bring the fish in. Cool. Yeah. All right. Did we miss any species that you think would be miscellaneous? If you got a jig and a minnow, you can catch just about any species here in Alberta. That's, that's pretty cool. So. So switching gears a little bit, I would like to talk about ice fishing safety. Oh, um, yeah. You are 
a ice rescue trained firefighter professional extraordinaire i am so um over the course of my career i've been pretty lucky to have the opportunity to participate in ice rescue training and uh, ice rescues themselves on the north saskatchewan river uh, obviously flows right through edmonton so uh, we have to be trained and ready for scenarios whether it's somebody's out on the ice and falls through or dogs that run out on the ice we do a lot of uh, different there's a lot of different scenarios that come into play. It's probably one of the most dangerous things we do because training is um, a little harder to get in for ice rescue, obviously, but uh, we do train and we're prepared for those situations. So, so what do, what do people need to know? What do they need to have? What do they need to be prepared for? Um, so most Don't people go on a river in the winter. Yes. Um, I, I'm kind of of that stance. Uh, the regulations they've changed the regulations you can actually ice fish on rivers in alberta uh, really it, it, oh yeah and it does happen across uh, several other provinces and states the rivers uh, that people are ice fishing on it's quite a bit different scenario than you would find in edmonton though so and it's it's not something to take lightly i don't suggest going to do it but it, it is possible um as for being out on a lake though if you're ice fishing um early in the season you should always be checking for uh ice thickness for sure have a spud bar whatever else um having picks that you can help get yourself out of the ice is always handy uh, sorry to interrupt tell, tell yeah. us what you mean by spud bar uh so like basically a giant crowbar so you can chisel down at the ice and make sure that it's you're not going through in one swing basically you want to make sure you have they recommend about four inches of ice to be safe to walk on. Um, I probably wouldn't go out in less than that. Um, I have in the past. It's definitely a little ske sketchy, but if you're prepared and you're not being stupid per se, it's it's safe to do so. So you just take the spud bar, you're walking out, and yeah. you just in front of you, you just sl slam it down on the ice, and yeah, betcha. And if it and if it goes through the ice, then don't go there. Pretty much. Right. And that's it. ice thickness can vary quite a bit. And ice, ice is unpredictable still. Like even late in the season when there's three feet of ice, there's still a lot of unsafe areas on lakes. You get your ice heaves. There can be gas pockets. Uh, I remember on Lac St. Anne two winters ago, uh, we were driving across the lake. It was the end of February. There's like three feet of ice on the lake. And we were driving up to a spot and it, there was a black spot we could see on the ice. So we kind of drove over there and went and looked and it was a probably 25 foot by 25 foot hole open in the ice with gas bubbling up, wide open water, not, not a skiff of ice on it. Hmm. And that's, it can be, those types of things can be very dangerous if you don't know they're there. So Driving on the ice, I don't recommend it to begin with. I know everybody does, but uh, if you have the ability to go out with a quad side-by-side -side or a snowmobile, it's a lot safer. It's a lot easier to get out of or off of if you do fall through the ice. Um, wearing a floater suit uh, at all times throughout the winter so that if you do end up in the ice, uh, it helps keep you warm and keep you floating. So, yeah. I've never heard of a floater suit before. 
Yeah, there's a few different brands that are making them now. Like Mustang has, Mustang Survival has theirs. FXR has a couple. I think Strike Master has theirs out. Striker. Striker Ice, they have theirs as well. Uh, there's a couple other brands as well. I can't remember all of them, but. They're very comfortable and they're very warm. Yes, they are. I absolutely love mine. So, because that, so anyways, I got one of these suits and I got the suits almost like just to, almost as a safety kind of a precaution. Yep. And then it's just the most warm, comfortable thing, but they're an investment. They're Oh, definitely. They're not cheap. They're 800 bucks ish. Yeah. You might be able to get some end of season for five, 600 bucks, but yeah, it's pretty hard to put a price on a life. Right. So earlier this winter, it was mid December. Uh, I was mentioning earlier, I had my, we were fishing on eight inches of ice in about four feet of water. Uh, we had the quad parked uh, on the ice, eight inches thick, crystal clear, beautiful ice. Um, but just so happened, we were fishing about 50 feet away from the quad and the ice cracked the whole length of the lake practically, but it opened up about a two foot wide crack and my quad fell in the lake through that two foot crack. What? Yeah. I've got the pictures and videos from that. I had a, I put a post up about it uh, earlier this winter, just reminding people to be safe because you can't predict what's going to happen. That's eight inches of good clear ice, and it just happened to crack directly beneath the quad, and in she went. So we were we were able to get it out. It it fell in sideways, caught on the handlebars, and we were able to lift it out. But I mean. That could be the middle of January with two feet of ice and you've got your truck parked there and ice decides to split or heave and yeah, all of a sudden you got a truck sinking to the bottom of the lake. Wow. N not the not my truck though, because I would never think of doing that, right, Jess? <laughs> wink. Right, we're on a podcast. Wink wink. Um so uh... Adam, my truck is my truck is broken. So Jess was oh, joking yeah. that joking that maybe maybe i should take my truck out on the ice maybe just drill a few holes around it yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay you had mentioned before we head to rapid fire sorry i have so many questions <laughs> it's just a wealth of knowledge um i mentioned away. that like clear ice is ideal it's beautiful yeah. it's the yeah. strongest is there if if ice is not clear does that change how many uh, it does and there's there's a ton of different factors that go into this as well um i won't go through all of them but like a 20 degree temperature change in less than a 24 hour period that can degrade the ice rating per se by up to 50 percent so what it will support can go down by up to 50 percent with a 20 degree temperature change over a 24 hour period so when we had minus 50 and it came back up to zero degrees in three days that's, that's a big change on the ice and it can actually degrade the rating for the ice. Um, cloudy ice, ice that's got snow in it. So if it snows and then freezes, uh, that ice is typically up to 50% weaker. There's, there's a lot of different factors that come into play. Um, on a lake, typically it'll freeze um, from the outsides of the lake towards the middle you may have thinner ice in the middle of the lake versus at the shoreline later in the season it'll typically thaw at the shorelines first so then you have less safe ice closer to the shorelines than the middle of the lake 
There's, there's a lot of different factors that need to come into play and people need to educate themselves on ice safety. Yeah, I imagine you've had to respond to some some tragedies over the years. Yes, indeed. Yes, yeah. indeed. Yeah, we uh I I I think I said it in the last last podcast is I know personally, I know personally one person that's uh passed away falling mm -hmm. through the ice, been on ice his entire life and yeah. fell through and yeah. And then uh, another industry colleague of mine his 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 dad fell through the ice so both very experienced people and yeah uh yeah you can't 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 be too careful out there which is why we asked you on because we knew you would yeah. give us all the right information yeah. as you opposed to us talking out of our butt yeah you definitely need to be prepared and not take ice safety lightly yeah for sure Especially on those water bodies that are really unpredictable, like yeah. Abraham Lake and any sort of dammed lake, right? Yeah. Well, it's that's something I've learned is like from year to year, no lake is the same when it comes to ice. It's it's not. You may get heaves that form in the same general area and everything else, but I've I had an experience. This is probably 10 years ago maybe even more actually at battle lake late season driving on the lake drilling holes through three feet of ice uh not catching fish keep moving keep moving keep moving go to drill a hole and all of a sudden there's six inches of ice right beside the truck i'm like whoa it's it all it all depends right there's there's so many different factors and it it may not happen but you could end up driving over a spot that is extremely thin and you don't know Especially once you get snow cover, everything else, it's hard to see what the ice looks like, how thick it is, unless you're checking the ice as you go. So, okay. So, PSA, be careful out there, folks. Well, on that happy note, do we have some happy rapid fire questions, Jess? So, I did something different for rapid fire this time. Oh, I, what did went, you do? I went to our Instagram followers and i put up a story asking for people to ask adam a question and oh. we have eight selected questions one of which awesome. is from adam's girlfriend okay was it is it well actually don't we'll we'll see what it is we'll, find we'll, see out what what it is. Is. we'll yeah. see if i can figure out which one it is <laughs> okay okay uh, that sounds good okay no this is good well done producer well done. Thanks. All right. Rapid fire. You've done this before, Adam, but I have. as a refresher or for those who are listening that do not know the rules of rapid fire, you have eight questions. You have 30 seconds per question to answer. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, Brad, do you want to go first? Sure. Question number one. What is the cost, mm -hmm. I guess the average cost to get into ice fishing? Ooh, average cost to get into ice fishing. Well, you can actually start out fairly cheap if you go with a hand auger, basic rod and reel, a uh, little bit of tackle. Let's say you'd be into it for 250 bucks. If you wanted to get into an electric auger, insulated tent, heater, some different rods and reels, you're spending 2,500 bucks. So it varies. Okay. But, but if you just want to get out ice fishing, you can do that for pretty cheap. 
Cool. Yeah. Or you could book a fishing trip with me and I can show you what it's all about. <laughs> and not have to buy any stuff. <laughs> yeah. And you get a mean sandwich out of it. Yeah. Right? You do. Quite fishing, Brad. I, right. I do need somebody to teach me how to do it. Question <laughs> flutter down on the bottom. You learned. Yeah, right, right. Question number two. What is your dream ice fishing location or outfitter? Ooh. Um Honestly, I'd really like to go up to Lac Lamarte where I got in the summer and be able to try ice fishing up there. Uh, it's a huge lake. It's like 40 miles long, 20 miles wide, tons of water to cover. Uh, I think that would be a pretty cool trip as well because of uh, the distance from being anywhere. You're out in the bush. It'd be, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. When ice fishing with spoons, mm -hmm. is it best to let the spoons sit or do you have a specific jigging technique? Hmm, interesting. Uh, specific jigging technique. I would not say anything specific. I do like to slowly raise uh, the spoon with small jigs and then let it flutter back down. Um, as I was mentioning earlier, if there's a fish hanging out, I will let it flutter all the way to the bottom and see how they react to that and then work on that slow dangle on the way back up. Question number four, what can an angler do to gain more confidence with a new lure or bait? Practice, practice, practice. Um, even myself, uh, as an example, the other day I bought a new fishing rod for myself uh, to try using for perch. I didn't catch anything on it for like four hours. I was getting tons of bites, but I just wasn't used to the action of the rod. Once I figured it out, I didn't miss another fish. It just comes down to practice and seeing how that lure responds to how you're using it. Question number five. The biggest pike you've ever seen personally, caught or not? Caught say, through the or ice. not. Through, through the ice. With the through the ice. Um, I actually remember the biggest pike I've seen caught actually Haley caught uh, in Southern Alberta, it was 47 and three quarter inches long with a 26 inch girth. So that fish would be up between that 35 and 40 pound range. It was just absolutely insane. Um, one of the longest fish I've seen through the ice was actually at Sylvan Lake. <laughs> yeah. Same as you, I did not catch it. Um, we were sight fishing for whitefish and, it, it just looked like a shovel came into the hole. It was enormous. And obviously we didn't catch it, but it was, that's gotta be one of the biggest bike I've ever seen. Question number six, how do you use electronics while ice fishing? That's actually a great question. Um, I have my hummingbird sonars that I use while ice fishing. Uh, I personally don't like any of the live sonar stuff, but call me crazy, I don't, it's just not my thing. Uh, I like being able to see what depth I'm at, uh, being able to see how your uh, lure is behaving in the water and how fish are responding to it is huge. And depending on how deep I'm fishing, being able to zoom in on the bottom portion of the water column for what species I'm fishing for is very handy. Question number seven. Is it ever too cold to ice fish for the fish? How do you keep fish safe? after you've caught them 
That is another great question. Um, so as a lot of anglers do, you can use an ice live well to help maintain a fish's uh, safety. Um, I've actually kind of gone away from that. Uh, mostly now just keep the fish in the hole as I bring it up, pop the hook out, turn it around, back down the hole, maybe a quick photo. When it's extremely cold outside, uh, I will not fish with a tip up. I do not catch fish out in the open. Make sure you're in a warm heated tent and yeah, keep those eyes and fins from freezing. Yeah, so I want to elaborate on that a little bit more actually because um, I've seen quite a few pictures recently on forums that at catch and release lakes where there's fish laying on the ice with frozen fins and eyes and they're getting released and that that fish is basically not going to survive down the road. If they can't see, they're not gonna be able to find food. If their fins are frozen and they're starting to rot off, well, not going to be able to swim. So it's fish safety is a, is a big thing for me. Do you have a favorite fishing memory? Um, I think I'm, I may have mentioned this one uh, the last time we were on the podcast together, actually. Uh, when I was a kid, it was my first time going ice fishing. And we were down, we drove out to Pigeon Lake. And I laid on the ice all day long, looking down the hole with my wire worm, waiting for a fish to come by. Not a single fish came by until right at the very end of the day. And I watched a white fish swim by my wire worm. And that's, to this day, that's like my most favorite fishing memory. So. Do you have a second favorite fishing memory that's more recent with somebody else, maybe? got a lot of a lot of fishing memories uh, as i was mentioning potentially the last question was submitted by a one our cated life mm, so weird potentially you were supposed to use it for this brownie points for, for privacy purposes we shouldn't be telling who submitted the questions oh, it's just my dogs it's fine <laughs> the uh um actually i do have kind of a neat memory from recently i took uh haley and i went out to oh, haley. oh, oh, oh haley oh good cool yeah girlfriend yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that one yeah the uh we went out to lake wobman with um some family friends and they brought their kids out and there was the four or five of them uh all fishing out at wobman that was that was quite a fun day for a bunch of kids that had never been ice fishing to catch fish and i think lily well i know lily it took her about two hours to figure out what she was doing and get into the groove of things, but she ended up catching and releasing 30 perch by herself. She wanted nothing to do with me taking them off the hook. She did it all by herself. So. And how old is Lily? 11? 11, I'm pretty sure. You go, girl, Lily. Lily. is an exponential, exponentially better angler than I am. Uh, it was it was pretty cool. She was having a blast. She didn't want to leave, so yeah, it was it was fun. All right, fine. I'll hire you to take me and show me how to ice fish. <laughs> Send us some dates, uh, Adam. As always, it is lovely chatting with you. Uh, before we sign off, uh, if you could just tell our audience where they can follow you, where they could learn more about your guiding business, um, now's your time. Sounds good. So as Jess mentioned, uh, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook, uh, Adam Gamble Outdoors. Uh, if you search that, it should come up, Adam underscore Gamble underscore Outdoors on Instagram. 
uh, Adam's Angling Adventures uh, as well on both Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to check out the website, uh, book a fishing trip, uh, that's adamsanglingadventures.com. And I, and I have something to say too. Go ahead, we Matt. have had a lot of uh, good, since we, since the producer of this podcast changed our name, we've had a lot of extra listens and a lot of extra awesome. interest in the podcast. And we appreciate cool. that very much. And thanks to all of our regular listeners out there. And we, I was reading on the internet that to get even more listeners, it is very helpful for those algorithms if you leave a comment and a review and like them or whatever you do. I should probably the terminology on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear feedback, suggestions for future guests. And yeah, leave a like and review and share and we'll keep growing this uh this uh ever-growing little uh podcast we've done here i've been i know personally i've been enjoying uh like thoroughly enjoying listening to all the different uh episodes one recently that i listened to on my way to work i think it was cynthia maybe christine she was out of ontario working with christine. uh was it christine mental health and stuff that was a super cool episode yeah. Good. Well, then I look forward to hearing your like and review, Adam Gamble. I can do that. <laughs> Until next time, listeners, happy fishing. Bye.